Hello there, and welcome to Odessa First Assembly's weekly podcast, where we bring you the heart of our Sunday message. I'm Tony, your host and the face behind our digital ministry. We're excited to dive into today's sermon, exploring the Word of God together. So grab your coffee, find a comfy spot, and let's embark on this journey of faith. Without further ado, here's this week's sermon. Other plug I'm forgetting, but I'm, I gotta preach, so. Psalm 103 is where we're going to read the first few verses. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for today, this morning. Lord, just to come together in your presence. But we're so thankful for you and all that you've done for us, Lord. Your, your faithfulness, even when we were faithless. Lord, your strength when we were weak. Lord, your saving grace in our life, your redemption, your direction, your provision. Lord, we're thankful for it all. And I pray today that our hearts would be good soil, ready to receive your word. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Psalm 103, looking at verses 1 through 5. Psalm 103, looking at verses 1 through 5. Some of you have our, our fill-in-the-blank paper notes and the notebooks or online at Uversion or the Bible app. You can follow along there. But Psalm 103, beginning verse 1, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. You know, recently I was in a conversation just kind of just randomly and, and I was processing probably how many times I've preached. Well, that kind of me thinking about how many worship services that I've been in in my lifetime. And so I kind of made a guesstimation. Does anybody know, you know, a guesstimation is it gives you leeway, right? You know, it's, it's more than it's something more forgiving than an estimate. And so I was guesstimating that in my lifetime that I have been in about 9,000 worship services. 9,000 worship services. I would dare say there are several in the room that have been in more than that. But I I estimate 9,000. And here's what else. uh, I estimate that I have preached in 4,500 of those services. And I started thinking about that terminology. I was like, man, I am old. But, I, 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 but I, here's what I do know. I do know a more exact number of how many times I've preached at OFA because I have every single sermon I've ever preached. I have it saved. I have preached at Odessa First Assembly more than 800 times. So some of you that have been here with us, that's how many times you've heard me preach. And you're still here. You, you deserve a medal. But I've seen a lot. I've seen, um, you know, I don't know if you've ever, anybody heard of 10th Avenue North? Anybody ever 10th Avenue North? I've I preached the fields of faith where 10th Avenue North led worship. I mean, that, that was a highlight. That, that was a really cool thing. Saw lots of kids saved. I've preached when there was no worship team. I've preached when, uh, anybody heard of Planet Shakers? I've been on the platform in front of 15,000 students with Planet Shakers. 
I've also had to preach where we used YouTube for worship. I've, I've preached in ag barns. As a matter of fact, I did an outreach uh, and, and preached in the, the, the rodeo ag barn in Andrews. I mean, smelling like cows and everything. I've, I've preached, not many can say this, I don't think, but I, I preached a youth service where the worship team was a spirit-filled Mennonite worship team. I don't know if you know, I'm, I'm, I don't, don't have time to go on the details, but um, that is not common for Mennonites to be spirit-filled. And so I, I got to preach that service. That was actually back in the day at Midland First Assembly. Um, I've been in services where um, I felt like I was more on key than a worship team. I've, some of you are catching that. So um, I've seen flag wavers. I've seen dance teams. I've seen tambourine teams. Oh, anybody? I, I've seen ballerinas in worship services. Um, I've seen a lot in those 9,000 services. I've seen step teams. I've been in services where there was no doubt that heaven touched earth during that worship time. I mean, at first for me in Sri Lanka, when I was there this summer, first time this ever happened, during our worship service, I was at one church in, in this, the mountains, the rainforest of Sri Lanka, and there was four different people that manifested demonic spirits in the middle of worship. I mean, this is, I, I've seen that, but I've actually dealt with that, but never in that context. I, I've seen a lot. But I think that um, so many times we really don't understand what worship is. I, I love this quote by, by Eddie Hyde. Well, well, number one is this, is that a misconception about worship is that worship only happens in a worship service. And we really need to understand that worship is more than singing. Worship is more than instruments. Worship is more than like a segment time on Sunday mornings. It's far greater than that. But when we, the, the, the reality is when we understand that, it really does something to these few moments we come together on a Sunday morning in worship. It's really, when we've been worshiping right throughout the week, it will shift and change the way your Sunday morning worship is. But we need to understand what really worship is. I, Eddie Hyatt, this quote, I love this quote. It says, when we pray, we're pre preoccupied with our needs. Nothing wrong with that. We want, the Bible says, the Lord says to give our, make our needs made known to him. There's nothing wrong with any of these statements. When we praise and give thanks, we're preoccupied with our blessings. And so we do count our blessings and, and we share those. But he, he goes on to say this, but when we worship, we are preoccupied only with God. And I love that statement because it kind of shows us really what worship is to be preoccupied only with God. To be preoccupied only with God. And so how do we do that? How do we, how do we worship where, I mean, it's just God is at the center. He's at the focus. Listen, when we can worship as we read scripture, I think this is really important. You can worship as you read scripture. There's three things. 
You can reflect, you can rest, and you can resolve. You can rest, you can, re- you can reflect, you can rest, and you can resolve. What do I mean by that? When you are reflecting on Scripture, you know, the psalmist wrote that, that, uh, hit, that our delight is in the law of the Lord, and we meditate, we meditate on his law day and night. That's what that reflect means when we're looking at Scripture that our minds and our hearts and our souls, it focuses in completely on the Lord and we can rest. I, I, I think we miss this sometimes because anytime, you know, I, I believe in actively engaging with worship. I'm going to talk about that. I believe in prayer. We're going to talk about that and the reading of scripture. But I want to tell you there's something powerful about just being quiet and resting and resting. I mean, sometimes I kind of joke around, you know, and tell people that I'm laying before the Lord, which means that's a holy nap. I mean, I, I mean, sometimes you just need to wait, to listen, to rest, allow his word and the Holy Spirit speak to you. You can also worship um, whenever we look at scripture, whenever we rest and the Lord speaks to us, we have to resolve that we are going to walk out whatever he speaks to us, whatever work he's doing on the side of us. It's not in your notes, but Joshua 1.8, I mean, Joshua is telling the people, you know, that uh, or Moses was telling the people, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Day and night you meditate on it. And so there we see that reflect and, you know, during the night, you know, that kind of, you know, points to rest maybe a little bit, but be careful to do all that's according to what's written in it. And so we carry that out. And so how do you do that? You can worship in your prayer time. You can worship in your prayer time. How? I mean, the scripture, I've, I've taught this so many times. It's Matthew chapter six and verse nine. Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When we start off in prayer, we can start off in a place of worship. We separate the name of God from everything. His name is holy. There is none that is like him. We can um, worship, as we worship in our prayer time, we can um, uh, worship by declaring the attributes of God. That's where we declare who God is. When you go through the Old Testament, you may be familiar with the Jehovah name, the, the Jehovah names of God. Jehovah, I mean, probably the one that everybody's most familiar with is Jehovah Jireh, and which is the Lord God, our provider, or the Lord, you know, Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord God, our righteousness. And, and there's these names where God, the places where God revealed himself and a, a portion of himself of shepherd and redeemer and banner and strong tower and all these names. And you can declare those names to the Lord. Cause I, I don't know about you, but I, I know I've said this so many times, but sometimes I feel like I kind of run out of things to say. I, anybody else like that? I mean, it's like, I can only tell the Lord so many times. I mean, it's what we feel like. I love you, Lord. I love, I love Lord. I love you. I love you, Lord. You know, and we kind any, anybody with me? But you know, you can thank the Lord for his redemption. You can thank the Lord for his provision. You can thank the Lord for his, for his healing. You can thank the Lord. I mean, there's so many areas where we can thank the Lord for and it's declaring of who he is. 
When we look at Psalm 103.1, bless the Lord. Look what it says. Bless the Lord. If, you're a, if, you're, if you highlight things in your Bible or, you know, and you underline things, this may be one of the things you want to do that with. Bless the Lord, all my soul and all that is within me. You see, worship takes all of our being. It takes every part of us. We know that Jesus taught to love the Lord your God with all of your, all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? We see that in several places in the Gospels. But we, worship takes all of our, it takes all of us. I, I love this quote by Don McMinn. He said, our entire being is fashioned as an instrument of praise. Our entire being is fashioned as an instrument of praise. When you use body language to express praise, that which is internal becomes visible. And I love that because I know that even in this room, there's so many from so different backgrounds, maybe a Church of Christ background, maybe a, a Presbyterian background, maybe um, a, you know, a Methodist background, maybe a Catholic background. And so we, you know, the way we're raised kind of really impacts a little bit of, of how we worship. And, and so what happens is, is that there may be a lot of us that are a little more reserved. And maybe reserve fits our personality. I'm not saying that, you know, you got to be a, a shouter and a, and a runner. And, you know, if you've been in a Pentecostal trial, you may be familiar with some of those. And, but we embrace all of that. But the reality is... You cannot truly worship the Lord without it not taking your entire being. And so the Bible says, Psalm 84, 2, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of our Lord. And I love this part right here, the second part, my heart and my, everybody say flesh. Sing for joy to a living God. We stand, we kneel, we lift our hands, we close our eyes, we clap our hands, we, we weep. There, it, it, it takes all of us, all of our being to really worship the Lord. And I know, listen, we, we sing songs and the, and the words are on the screen and, you know, in the sanctuary we have the big screen and, and all of that's great. And it, I mean, the scripture, Psalm, I mean, you look at the, the, the end of the Psalms, Psalms 150, it tells us the worship of the Lord with instruments. But I'm going to tell you something. There is something significant and powerful by you just using your voice. And I'm not necessarily sing, saying sing a song that was written, but you singing your own song. You giving thanks for what God has done inside of you. And so we worship with all of ourselves. We worship will engage, it just won't engage our physical being, but it'll engage our soul. It'll engage our soul. I mean, in this psalm, it, I mean, it's, you know, not all the psalms are written by David, but this Psalm 103 was written by David. And he tells himself to praise the Lord with his soul. All that is within him to bless the Lord. He says again in Psalm 71, 23, my lips will shout for joy. I sing praises to you. So that's something vocally happening. That's something physically happening. My soul also, which you have redeemed. And so listen, worship is intended to be something emotional. It is to be something emotional. I don't think that worship should be dry. 
Now, we may go through dry seasons. We go through difficult moments. I get that. I understand that. But really, it engages the depths of us. And I kind of want to speak to the men just for a moment. We had a great discussion Wednesday night and, and actually talking about what it, you know, we had this discussion in our Bible study about, you know, men and, and, and how, our, how our emotions are impacted as being men and that many of us were, you know, were taught men don't cry and, and things of that nature. But I'm going to, men, I'm going to tell you something. If you have not engaged in worship with your emotion, you're missing a significant part of worship. It is okay to let your guard down. It is okay to let the wall fall down a little bit and just engage and worship the Lord with your heart. This praise that comes from our lips, we express joy with our hearts, we express it through our joy, but also in worship, listen to me, it engages our spirit. I believe that we can worship in spirit. Matter of fact, the Bible says, John 4, 24, that God is spirit and those who worship him will worship in spirit and in truth. And so there's a level that engages our spirit. The, the true worship comes only from our spirits made alive by the quickening of the spirit of God. Listen, the reality is the only ones that can really truly worship God are the ones that have been born again. The only ones that can really come to a place of worship. We can participate in worship. We can participate in worship services. We can clap. We can sing along. But really, the only thing that can truly worship God is the spirit that has been made new. Are you following me? And so if you feel like you're missing out or something's missing, I really think sometimes we've got to do that heart, heart, that heart search. Psalms 103, verses 2 and 3. I want you to catch this. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. But then the way this reads, I don't know, it just really leapt out at me. Verse 3, who forgives? Who heals? Who redeems? Who crowns? And I, there may be a lot we can draw from that, but the simple thing that kind of left out at me, it doesn't say who forgave. Like past tense, are you following me? Or who healed or because this is Old Testament, this is Psalms, who redeemed, who crowned. No, it's something that happens now. It is continual. I, I love that the New Living says it this way. When it says, forget not all of his benefits, it says, may I never forget the good things God does for me. Did you know that God is doing for you now? You may not always see it. You may not always realize it. You may always know it, but God in his sovereignty and the providence of God, he is shifting things in your life to get you where he needs you to be to do what he wants to do inside of you. And I praise God for all that he does. The third thing is this, worship is based on who God is and not our situation. 
It's based on who God is and not, listen, if I worship God sometimes about how, about what I was feeling in the situation that I was in, I'll just be transparent. Sometimes God wouldn't get the worship that he deserves from me. And so we focus on God and not the situation. Worship should be based on who God is and not our situation. We are told that when you look at David's life, I, I really kind of labored a little bit of how to process this and, and present this. But I know this is that when you look through David's life and you process, I mean, from beginning from him being the shepherd boy on the back 40, you know, the last one on the list and, and finally brought forward for Samuel to anoint, to running from Saul to, I mean, and we get to the end of Paul's reign and something happens. What happens is, is that Absalom, his son, undermines him. And so what happens is, is that David flees the city. He leaves Jerusalem and, and of course, there, you know, he has, he has kind of his, his court, you know, because if they would have stayed, Absalom would have, would have, would have, would have killed him. And so, but, you know, David was known really, I mean, what do we talk about? I mean, that, you know, when the Ark of the Covenant came back into the city, it's, it's a powerful example of, of worship. Because what the scripture tells us is, is that when David returns the Ark back to the city, is that he, they like stop every six steps and do all of these sacrifices. And I used to, could tell you, the, but it was like thousands upon thousands. I mean, they would take six steps and stop and have a worship service. They would take six steps and stop and have a worship service. They would take six steps. And so he did this all the way coming in. And I mean, has anybody ever heard of, I mean, David's wife, you know, he comes in dancing in the city, right? And she's like, how dare you? You're the king. And David's like, I mean, like the infamous words, right? I can be even more undignified than this. But even in that moment where he was undermined by his son, could you imagine, I, I, I can't even process the hurt or what, what David was going through, being overthrown and undermined by my own son. And we see through scripture there is something that he does. One, we see in Psalm 34, 12, he says, I will praise the Lord at all times. All times. His praise will always be on my lips. We just sang that song, actually. I'll boast in the Lord humble, and you'll hear me. But we see in two different places in Scripture. One is 2 Samuel chapter 15 is one is, this is when David's leaving, when all this is transpiring, 2 Samuel 15, 32, it says, while David was coming to the summit where God was worshiped. Process that for a moment. He's leaving the city. He's being ran out to protect his life. He's trying to protect the, the lives of all those coming with him, undermined by his son. Where does he go? He goes to the place of worship. Oh, is anybody with me this morning? Yeah, yes. He goes to the place of worship. We see another example in just a chapter later, 2 Samuel 16. 
And I love this whole scenario because I'm going to preach on it one day for you guys. But here we see David living the city. There's this guy named Shimei, and he's running along the, 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 uh, a cliff because David's walking through a valley, and he's running on a mountaintop, and he's cursing David, right? He's, 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 and the Bible says he's throwing rocks. He's cursing David. And one of David's mighty men, even he goes to David and says, let me kill this dog for who he is. I mean, could you imagine throwing rocks at these guys of all these feats they did with David? I, I can't imagine that, but that's what this guy's doing. He's throwing rocks. He's, he's hurling insult. He's, he's saying, David, you're some, a, a bloody man, a, a, a man just that has spilled blood. And, and so this guy, he's like, David, let me kill this guy. And David responds. He says, no. He says, he said, leave him alone. The Lord has a purpose in this. But you pick up in 2 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 14, and it says, and the king and all the people who were with him arrived weary. Has anybody been weary? And there he refreshed himself. How do you think he refreshed himself? He refreshed himself in the presence of the Lord. And then we see in verse 5 that of, of our text, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like an eagle's. I think sometimes we get in this mindset that we deserve whatever bad comes our way. That we deserve whatever bad comes our way. I here recently just kind of have engaged with a, a, a long and old friend of mine from years ago on social media. But I remember so many conversations with him, you know, I would say, hey, you know, and, and he retired young and, you know, he was a computer guy, programmer, invented something. I don't remember what he even invented, but he invented something and, and uh, just a smart dude. And, um, but we used to meet together a lot and I'd say, hey man, how are things going? And his, his response to me, he's like, things are going so good that something bad's fixing to happen. I was like, how can you think that way, man? But I think we go through situations and circumstance that maybe gets our eyes off the goodness of God. But listen to, what, listen to this promise, who satisfies you with good. Who, satisfy, are you, who satisfies you with good. Did you know that the, our Father in heaven wants good for you? Now, his number one plan is to get you reconciled with himself and to get you to heaven. And sometimes he does that by impacting our happiness. We go through trials, in other words. But what God wants for you is good. And I'm going to tell you, it's in those moments of worship that you get to receive that good. That your eyes, are, that you're kind of awakened and you're opened up to it who satisfies with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I mean, if you go through scripture, you'll see the eagle is, really has a, a biblical uh, significance and symbolism of so many different things. His divine covenant with us and strength and, and so many different things. And that's the one I want to focus on. So the fourth thing is this, is that worship will strengthen you. And I think we need to be reminded of that is that, and I'm talking more than just singing a song, I'm talking more than just, you know, taking those moments of, you know, I, it's, um, you know, this, our church remodel, my, some of my families have been kind of making fun of me 
that I, I, I chose that we start this remodel during deer season. And I'm like, man, what have I, and it really, the other day, that's like this week, I was like, I haven't been hunting yet. I'm going to lose my sanity. And the only thing that's kind of getting me through is it's been a little bit warm. But I, so many times we allow our circumstance to dictate, and I, but there's times I'm out in the field, whatever, and one of the things I like about it is, you know, Scripture tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God. And it's always a reminder to me, right? And, and so there's things that remind us, but you know, it, it comes down to lifestyle, the way where we're living life, the way that we're walking this out. I mean, it's more than just a song or, or music, but listen to me, worship will strengthen you. Here's what I want you to know is sometimes you just got to worship your way through it. You really do. You just got you just gotta worship your way through it. You may not know what to pray. You just got to worship your way through it. You may not have the words to pray. You, I mean, you, you may not have the knowledge base to experience. You, I mean, whatever the it is, a circumstance is, sometimes as a believer, you just worship your way through it. You worship your way through the hurt. You worship your way through the confusion. You worship your way through the battle. You, sometimes you just got to worship. You may not know what else to do. You know, the scripture tells us in Romans chapter 8 that through the Holy Spirit, we can pray with words and groans that we don't necessarily understand. Sometimes you just have to worship your way through it. And I, I wonder sometimes, that, is that something we have forgotten? But look what, what the promise of Scripture is. It's one that maybe you're familiar with, and it's the Scripture I'll close with this morning. It's Isaiah chapter 40. It begins in verse 28. I love this passage. There's been many a song written on this passage. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Those are rhetorical questions, by the way. The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Listen to what he does. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. I mean, I, I mean process this that for a minute. He gives power to the faint. If you're here this morning and you feel like that you're at the end of the rope, that you can't take another step, you don't know the next step to take, I mean, his promise to you is, is that he will give you the power that you need. But even if you step beyond that point, he'll increase your strength. Even you shall faint and grow weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about this, you know, this last summer when um, the, the storm blew the roof off my father-in-law's house, his farmhouse, and so I had to replace the roof, and you know, there was me, and at some points my brother-in-law, but my dad. My dad, my dad's 80 years old, right? And I mean, he... I mean, it's a hundred and this is when it's like 110 degrees. 
And it just really, I mean, one time my, my brother-in-law, Chris, he comes to me, he's like, would you tell your dad to take a break so we can take a break? <laughs> I mean, he just, he just works circles around. I mean, I, I got heat exhaustion. I mean, I, I mean, forgive me, but I, I, I mean, one night, I, half the night I was puking because I got heat exhaustion. I mean, my dad, I've always said that, but it's like, I, my dad literally, I'm half his age and he can work circles around me. I mean, there's, there's a limit even to the most healthy, strong, endurance runner. There's even a limit to what they can do. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And if you didn't know this, I, I've heard so many different people like preach different things about this weight, of what this weight means. You know, that it's just literally just waiting, like you just stop, you just wait. Or to serve. I mean, the literal definition of the Hebrew of that word is to actively wait. And I, I don't, Maybe there's lots of things we could pull with that. But if we're to love the Lord our God with all of our soul strength, mind, and spirit, if we're to worship God with our whole being, as I was just processing this, I was like, you know what? What we can do in that moment when we're exhausted, when our strength is gone, I mean, do you really want to know what serves the Lord and blesses the Lord? is your worship. It's your worship. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings, like eagles. Can I, just, I just want to give you a quick description of what this means. You got to picture it this way. Is that, you know, for an eagle, I don't know a lot about eagles, but I do, I, I do know this. That's, did you know an eagle... Can, can flap its wings too much and and they can die of exhaustion if they flap if they because you know what how they were designed you know what they were designed to do they were designed to soar and so if you can imagine your faith the wings of an eagle and the holy spirit the thermal wind that comes up that fills those wings isn't that a beautiful image so all you got to do is sometimes respond in faith and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. And then what happens? They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Would you stand with me this morning? Thanks for joining us on this week's podcast. Be sure to tune in next time for more inspirational messages. Connect with us on social media at Odessa First AG. And if you'd like to support our ministry, visit odessafirstassembly.com forward slash giving. Until next time, stay blessed.